Here's a preview of today's Abounding Grace. Look how far you've come. You may not be where you want to be right now, and there's that sense of growth. There's always that sense of a sacred spiritual desire to grow or a sacred spiritual discontentment that I want to be stronger in the Lord and I want to be used more. But, but I want to remind you of how far you've come. And it's good to thank God for how far you've come, for the changes that have taken place in your life. But also warn you that it's easy to stunt your own spiritual growth. And here in our section today, we'll see at least four ways that you can stunt your spiritual growth. Four things to look for in your life today and every day. This is amazing grace. This is There's a story of a man after 25 years with one company was still doing the same old job and drawing the same salary. So finally he went to his boss, told him he felt like he had been neglected. After all, he said, I've had a quarter of a century of experience. (sighs) My dear fellow, sighed the boss, you haven't had a quarter of a century of experience. You've had one experience for a quarter of a century. You know, sadly, that could be said of countless Christians. Today on Abounding Grace, we not only consider how old we are spiritually, but what our growth looks like in relation to that age. Pastor Ed Taylor believes there's no excuse to be spiritually immature. And here's why from Hebrews chapter 5. Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 5. As we finish the chapter today, Hebrews chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, There's No Excuse for Spiritual Immaturity. No excuse for spiritual immaturity. And that's the context, really, of Paul's note here at the end of chapter 5 to these Jewish believers. Now, if we surveyed the room today, I'm not going to, but if I asked for those of you that are here and those listening in, if I asked this question, who here is spiritually immature, not many hands would go up. And one of the reasons is it's kind of an embarrassing thing to admit that you are stunted in your spiritual growth. Now, now it's one thing to be a new believer. So you might be a new believer here today and go, well, you know, I'm just starting out, so I'm not quite sure what I'm doing or where I'm going. That's different. That's where you're in the beginning stages of your Christian life. That's normal. But it's not normal for years to go by and for you to be in the same place you were when you were born again, spiritually immature. That's not normal. Just like you parents that have brought a baby home from the hospital, your hopes and desires and dreams is for that baby to grow up into maturity. I mean, one of the first things you're probably thinking as time goes on is, I can't wait till this kid grows out of diapers. For a lot of reasons, because you don't want your 16-year-old to still be putting diapers on. That's just weird. It's not right. It's true for us as believers. And we get to right to the heart of the matter here, It's not okay for us to be spiritually immature. It's God's heart for you to grow. 
And he's given you all the resources, both internally, his abiding presence. I mean, think about it. God lives in you, and he's working in you both to do and to will for his good pleasure. All that you need internally, all that you need externally is available to you in Jesus Christ. You know, another reason why many of you wouldn't raise your hand is because you have been growing. And I commend you for that, that you have been embracing your relationship with God. You have been growing. You read the Bible now, you didn't used to. You pray now, you didn't used to. Like you've developed really good spiritual habits that you didn't have previously. You can look back and say, man, I've, made some, I've had some great victories in my life. I've seen God make, cause me to turn a corner and I've outgrown that spiritual immaturity in this area or that area of my life. And I have to say too that many times in your own evaluation of your spiritual life, you and I, we tend to be harder on ourselves than really even God is. And so there are some listening who think, well, you know, I want to be mature and, and I don't know, I don't think I've grown as much as I really should. And, and this isn't meant to be a condemning time. God didn't send his word, he didn't send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn you or to condemn me. And what I like to do with those that might be really struggling with where you are spiritually, I just like to remind you, look how far you've come. I mean, it may, you may not be where you want to be right now, and there's that sense of growth. There's always that sense of a sacred spiritual desire to grow or a sacred spiritual discontentment that I want to be stronger in the Lord and I want to be used more. But, but I want to remind you of how far you've come. And it's good to thank God for how far you've come, for the changes that have taken place in your life, but also warn you that it's easy to stunt your own spiritual growth. And here in our section today, we'll see at least four ways that you can stunt your spiritual growth, four things to look for in your life today and every day. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, he says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God would have us to grow up and to add to our lives and add to our spiritual lives. Now, even though most of us would not respond yes to a question of spiritual immaturity, I know I won't, there is in a general sense in the body of Christ today a lack of spiritual growth. A carnality, if you will. It's not unusual because Paul would write to the church in Corinth and tell them, you guys are being carnal. You're being fleshly. You, you shouldn't be, you've been walking and living for Jesus this long. This kind of behavior shouldn't be named among you. And he actually uses the word carnal. He says, you're like, you're like living in the flesh, in your own humanity. You're not living like born-again believers. And tragically today, churches are filled with people who are spiritually weak and slow in their spiritual growth. There are many immature, undiscerning, and fragile believers. Again, if you're a new believer, that's a place that you're gonna be. You're gonna start and you're gonna grow. But for most of us that have been walking with Jesus for a while, God desires us to grow up, to grow up in the things of the Lord. And the weakness of the church at large is a spiritual weakness. It's a matter of spiritual strength and lack thereof. And as we've learned many times before, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. 
It's always an internal thing that God is doing, not external. A yielding and surrendering of our lives and our wills and our homes to the Lord. Embracing the power of his grace and his goodness. Remembering that he's living his life through us. And it's not on our shoulders that God wants to do a work as we yield to him. And so as we draw our attention to verse 9 in chapter 5 of Hebrews, Paul is teaching on some heavy doctrines. He's laying before them significant truths. And it's going to get more difficult. And this little section at the end of chapter 5 almost is like Paul saying, things are going to get harder and I need to prepare you for them. Remember the theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater. You've got a group of Jewish believers that want to go backward. They, they, they aren't satisfied in their relationship with Jesus Christ, so they're looking for something else. And for them, they want to go back to their religious expression through Judaism, which really doesn't make much sense because if they come back to Judaism, Judaism is just going to point into the Messiah they already believe in. It doesn't make much sense that everything that they need is found in Jesus Christ, just like you and me. And now while today the temptation of going back to Judaism isn't as significant, although it does, it does exist today, it's not as significant in our lives. There are many things testing us and tempting us away from the Lord and away from the deeper relationship that he's calling us to. And this next section is encouraging spiritual progress, a spiritual growth that's steady and strong. And so look, look at a few things. Let's look at a few things that reveal immaturity. So pick up in verse 9, it says, And having been perfected, he, speaking of Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, which we'll get, that's a, that's a deep doctrine. We'll get into that in chapter 7, verse 11. Of whom we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though, verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So four, at least four things in this section that mark immaturity. Number one, immaturity is marked by a lack of desire for God's word. A lack of desire for God's word. That's really what he says in verse 11. He says, I've got much to say to you about high priest Jesus Christ from the order of Melchizedek. I have so much more, but it's hard to explain it to you guys because you have become dull of hearing, dull of hearing, lacking the desire to hear from the Lord. This is an important thing to look out for in your life. It's an important marker. What's your attitude toward the Bible? What's your attitude? Really, what's the heart of the matter when you comes to the Bible? And you could really answer that by how much time you spend in the Bible, how much time you read it. The Bible was given to us to read. And so you can, you can say uh, your desire for the Bible is directly related to how much you read it. Because God desires us not to be dull. You see, there was a progression in their lives, wasn't there? Remember back in chapter 2? In chapter 2, Paul had talked to them about their drifting. Then in chapter 3, verse 7, he spoke to them about their doubting. And now here in chapter 5, they're dull. 
Because a step away from God will always get worse until you repent. Like, you just take one little step away from the things of God, you're going to pay the price for that over time. And it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. You start drifting away a little bit and, you know, not taking things very seriously. Then you, it starts to mess with your head and you start doubting God. You start doubting His Word. And then when you doubted God and you doubt, well, now you don't even want to hear it anymore. That's spiritually immature. I like how the New Living Translation translates this verse, it says, there's so much more we'd like to say about this, but you don't seem to listen. That's often a phrase that we have to use within biblical counseling and discipleship here, where you don't listen to what the Bible says. You just don't receive it. You might come in with a problem. You might come in with a difficulty in your marriage, in your life, and we open the Bible to you, and, and you just don't want to hear it. You're just so convinced it's the other person's fault which it very well may be. It very well will be the difficulty in the other person. But what's God doing in your life? What's God requiring of you? What's God requesting of you? You know, I can't tell you how many times people get so frustrated, especially in a marriage situation, where one of the spouses comes in and we start talking to them and they go, it's so bad, it's so good. And we stop them before they say is enough. I, we don't want to slander the, your spouse. I, I get it, it's hard. And, and then we begin to open the Bible and go, well, what about you? And we start talking about some of the things that came out. You know, it sounds like you're really bitter. Sounds like you're really, what, what's going And then you, you, you know what's going to happen. They go, oh, man, I didn't, no, I'm not the problem. What are you talking to me? I'm the one that's coming for help. And our answer to you will be, yeah, but man, you're the one that's in front of us. I don't have the chance to speak to your spouse. Maybe one day I will, but you're the one in front of me. And here's what the Bible says to someone in your place. It's because we just don't want to hear it. It happens another way here where someone will call the office and ask to speak with a pastor. And so they set up an appointment and they come in and they share their difficulty with one of the pastors. And man, you get a report at the pastor's meeting, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. And what happens during that week is the person didn't really like the counsel, so they'll call back and say, I need to speak with a pastor. And so, well, wait a minute, didn't you speak with so-and-so already? Yeah, but I need to speak to another one. I'm like, all right, and we make another appointment, and guess what? The pastor says the same thing that the last pastor did. And, and it's, it's kind of more subtle than that, where they'll work their way through, and they'll find out who the pastors are, and they'll meet them after a service, and, and before you know it, they've gone through every single pastor, and hopefully every single pastor's told them the same exact thing. And so what are we dealing with? Spiritual immaturity, a dullness to hear God's word. Be careful of this in your life. It's not good. It's not good to resist the Bible and not even want to read it, not even be wanted want in your life, not even taking it in. The most valuable, important thing that you can do in your life is read the Bible. It is a powerful tool in the hand of God. It's the most powerful external tool that you have is read the Bible. That's why we encourage you, read the Bible and pray every day. Read the Bible and pray every day. If it's a minute, if it's two minutes, if it's five minutes, it's not even about time. It's about effort and desire. And God will develop in you a habit and a desire and a hunger for his word. Like, just read it. And what happens is, is that you start reading it, but then you get frustrated because you read the Bible with the intention of understanding every single thing that you read. And when you don't understand a few things, it just gets frustrating He's like, what am I reading this for? I don't understand it. And I would suggest to you, 
When you're reading the Bible, and if I'm describing you right now, when you're reading the Bible, have a little notebook on the side of your Bible, and when you don't understand something, just write it down. Make a prayer list out of it, but don't let it frustrate you, because I've been walking with the Lord for 28 years, reading reading the Bible and studying it, I mean, in depth, like for the last 24 years, and there are still things I read that I'm like, I don't know about this one. It's going to take me some, I don't know. I'm not sure what God meant in this. I'm not, and I know what all the opinions are, but I'm just not sure what God meant. And so it's just, hey, I'm going to set it aside. I'll need to pray on it more. Maybe look up a few words and things like that. But God's not asking you to be a Hebrew scholar here. He's not asking you to know the Greek. He's just saying, read my word. Read my word. It'll change your life. Test me on it. Test me on it. This week, just make a decision to read the Bible every day, seven days a week, for 10 minutes a day. Just read it. Just open it up. Start in the book of Psalms and just start reading it. Just read through 15 minutes, 10 minutes a day. That's it. Just do that. And tell me if your life doesn't change at least one of those days. Go ahead and email me. If it doesn't change your life, email me. Here's the email address. You ready? Ian at Cal... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Email me. Because then you, if you email, I read 10 minutes a day, seven days, and it didn't change me. And, and I, I'll tell you how, I'm already going to pre-write the email so I can copy and paste to anyone that emails me. I'm already going to have the same answer. So tell me, what did you read this week? And you'll come back with whatever you read, and I'll see something in it. I'll pray over it. I'll see something in it. I go, isn't that a great truth about God? And then you respond, oh, yeah. You know, you won't do that in email because it doesn't let you do that in email, but Yeah. And you'll see that it's not as difficult as you have made it out to be. All you need in life is the Bible and the Spirit of God inside of you. And he will lead you and guide you and teach you and illuminate this beautiful book that will change your life. That is God's promise to you. The Bible is alive and powerful and it changes lives. And so this is a sign of immaturity. You don't desire the word of God? That's an immature thing. Number two, another sign of immaturity is you lack the desire to share the gospel, to tell other people your story, the God story through you, where you're just not talking to people about God. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Basically he's saying this, By now you should be able to read an encyclopedia and explain it to people, but instead I still have to sit, I have to give you the ABCs. Now learning the ABCs is important. We need to learn the ABCs, but we learn them for the intention of what? Putting words together, sentences together to communicate. We shouldn't be learning the ABCs our entire life. That there comes a point in our time, usually very young, where we've learned our ABCs. And we start to add words to that. He says, look, by now you should be teachers of the simplicity of things related to God. You should be able to tell other people what God's done in your life. You should be able to tell other people what you've learned. And if you have no desire to do that, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. This is so vital for us. A growing believer is a believer who loves God's word and shares what he's learned with others. Again, he's, not everybody has the gift of teaching. Not everyone belongs in the pulpit. Not everyone belongs teaching a small group. That's not what he's saying, that everyone should now function in that capacity. What he's saying is, with everything you've learned, why aren't you telling people about it? 
Why am I writing this to you? It's like, it's like saying, why are you guys in that? You guys need to see your condition the way God sees it. You're not as mature as you make yourself out to be. That's why you're drifting. That's why you're doubting. That's why you've become dull of hearing. It's not teaching as much as sharing your life with others. Here's what I've learned. This is what God showed me. Did you see this scripture? For, for the Hebrews, they had been Christ long enough that they should have been sharing by now. Should have been, and I, we tell new believers here, from the first things you should do as a new believer, read your Bible, pray, and tell somebody what just happened to you. Like right out of the gate, right where you're excited, good life change, and create the habit of telling others about what God's doing in your life talking about the scriptures, talking about what, you know, you've been in Bible study here, even just this one time. What one thing can you go off and share with somebody? Hey, you won't believe what, what'd you do on Sunday? I went to church and what would you learn? Man, I learned all about maturity and spiritual maturity. And, and you can share a lot of what you, what, what you were given today as you learn it for the very first time. And you know, it, people say that when you start sharing things that you've learned, you learn it again and it becomes solidified in your heart and in your mind. And that's a sign of immaturity when we're not talking to others about what God is doing in our lives. By now, you never want it to be said, by now, you should be teaching others. We never want it to be said of us, but rather to move forward in maturity. Number three, another sign of spiritual maturity here is a lack of desire for deeper things. Deeper things. Because notice what he says at the end of verse 12. He says, you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. It says babe, but I said baby. He's young. You expect your babies to grow up, and it's not a good thing for your babies not to grow up, to be stunted in their spiritual growth, in their physical growth. It's not good for us as believers to be stunted in our spiritual growth. Milk is good at an appropriate time. You know, milk is, it's, is pre-digested. So it's perfect for a baby. It's perfect for a baby. Baby has no teeth, can't chew on anything. The inwards are still being developed. So milk is an appropriate food substance for a baby up to a time. But there comes that time when you start to introduce solid food. And even as the baby's starting to grow teeth, then they can start to bite things and chew on things at appropriate times. And there comes a time in our lives when we as believers start to leave the milk, the simplicity of the gospel, the ABCs, the foundation of which we build our lives, and move on into maturity, and move on into understanding and grasping the word of God for others. Solid food. And solid food belongs to those that can move on from the simplicity of ABCs. And so Paul describes them as babes, as babies still needing milk. This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. Pastor Ed, as we've been considering some of the marks of immaturity, one of them has to do with our desire for the Word of God. And we have a resource today that can help our listeners get the most out of their Bible study and actually enjoy it. Yeah, you know, our pick of the month is exactly for those that want to take the next step in understanding the Bible a little bit better. It's called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It, written by my friend, Pastor Skip Heitzig, and he puts together in book form, very small, very thin, but also very thorough, 
he puts together in book form the introductory understanding of the inductive Bible study method. I know that sounds real complicated and real challenging, but Pastor Skip was able to put it in very simple terms so you can learn how to make good observations, you can learn to make the right interpretation, and you can learn how to take the right applications from the text, you know, within its context, within its historical background. And it's not as hard as you might think. Take the step. Get the book. You can get it uh, at our, on our bookstore, calvaryco.store, or wherever you get, wherever you get your books. Um, but get it. I know the Lord wants to use it in your life, and you could take that next step in handling the text. That's How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. Request your copy today for a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for your generous support of Abounding Grace. It's caring Christians like you that help us do what we do each day. So thank you in advance. Again, 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, we've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.